You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 228 of your octane-infused rants and carrying-ons from three PHP developers. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me, as usual, John Congdon. Octane-infused? I don't get it. You will shortly. And Tom Rideout. I, I think he's hinting towards some recent announcement. Octane infused. I don't have any. Oh, I see. It's on the Trello board. <laughs> I guess we'll talk about that later because I have no clue what that is. We are going to talk about it quite a bit because it gets into some other very interesting things going on or with PHP. Yep, I, I noticed. I noticed you're a little crossover uh, as well. So we have we have fun things to discuss, and we can, and actually John and I even have more to contribute to that. So. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for later in the show. For now, we're talking about our weeks. That we are. Crappy weeks, it sounds like, all around. Yeah, I'm definitely not, not talking about my week. <laughs> I'm having a wonderful week. What What? What? what uh, did I miss? I, I first off... Play. Nope. Go. Good? Nope. You go first. first. First off, Zack Snyder Justice League cut was released four hours long. I may have watched about. it twice. How'd you watch it twice? Listen, over because they started streaming it at midnight, so I might have woken up at midnight and watched it until four in the morning, and then watched it again <laughs> later later this afternoon. So, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, I won't. I won't. I, I assume neither one of where you have it, seen where, it yet. So, where is it streaming at, and why is it four hours long? HBO Max. HBO Max. I don't have HBO right. Max. Who well, then HBO you're just Max? not one of the cool guys. I have HBO. It's What's like HBO Max. It's like HBO. But to the max. So is it an additional fee on top of HBO? I, I don't know. I think I don't if know you have you HBO, you get HBO Max free. Yeah. I, I had HBO on Hulu and it just switched over to HBO Max. I didn't have to I didn't have to do anything. It just became HBO Max for me. Man, I'm learning all sorts of things. Good thing I tuned into tonight's episode. So what is Justice League? About cops? <laughs> Oh God! You're gonna kill him. This is why. This is one of the many reasons why you and I aren't friends anymore, John Congdon. <laughs> you know exactly what Justice League is. You know what it is. And I am a hardcore Batman fan, as you you're well aware. And uh, Justice League didn't get its due justice the first release. Uh, so is it the I thought same it was movie okay. just extended? No. Well, so no. Let me. Uh... I actually have some knowledge in this area. Um, Zack Snyder, the director for Justice League, oh, okay. had some family issues halfway through filming, and he wanted a very dark tone for the movie. Uh, he wanted the color grading to be very dark, mysterious, but he dropped out during filming, and it was taken over by Ron Howard? No, wasn't it Will Wheaton? Or not Will Wheaton, the same guy who did Avengers. Uh, uh, Josh, Josh Wheaton, Josh Wheaton, the, the guy who's having the, the questionable behavior uh, allegations brought against oh, that, him. Oh, that Hollywood guy who has yeah. some questionable behavior? Josh yeah. Wheaton, yeah. Yeah, Josh um, Wheaton. Will Wheaton is from Star Trek. 
Although I'm sure yeah. he would have done a tremendous job. But so uh, Joss Whedon decided he was going to change a lot of aspects of the, um, specifically the color grading. So all of the costumes were designed for these very high contrast shots and very very side lit dark scenes. But his version that came out looks like a comic book, like an '80s bright colored comic book, and all the costumes look terrible. And, weird. and then cut the. The, the movie down, cut a bunch of parts out, didn't explain some stuff that had proper... And, uh, and then when they went to do reshoots, they got Henry Cavill for Superman, but he was already filming, uh, I think, The Witcher at the time, so he had a mustache. No, he was filming was, Mission Impossible. Uh, Mission Impossible, yeah. Yeah. So he had a mustache that they digitally removed, but like they got you know a first-year student of visual effects to do it, so it looks bizarre. So there's a lot wrong with... The, with the first yeah. cut or it, the new cut with the first cut the, the that's, first that's cut. why the yeah new, that's why the fans demanded a new cut yeah so there was there, there was always always the speculation and 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 not even speculation they they knew that there was all this footage that wasn't used and that that the movie that was released wasn't the one that uh uh zach snyder wanted it it, it wasn't what he was pitching so the fans kept insisting you know, like hey you know, release Zack Snyder's, release Zack Snyder's version. And so I guess finally the, the studios put some money into us. Next, uh, uh, Zack Snyder came in and re-edited the movie with, with his scenes. I, I don't, I can't imagine had this version gone to the theaters, it would have been four hours. I mean, there's just no way that could have been possible. But I have to say, the the biggest thing in this version, and I, I'm not going to give away any spoilers because I know a lot of people haven't seen it, and a lot of people probably don't care to see it. But to the point you were saying, Thomas, the the character buildup is so much better. Like, there aren't these unexplained events happening. Like, okay, how did that just happen? Like, where did where did that come from, and, and where did that go? And right. everything is so well built up to explain. There are some new heroes uh, in the movie that didn't make the first version i enjoyed it i enjoyed it a ton um but obviously again, you sat through I'm eight a, hours of it in one day <laughs> i i'm a terrible i'm a terrible m- person to, to judge judge this on because i'm just a huge dc fan like i've always been dc over marvel i i i've, I've never been big on marvel I, I i explained a few weeks ago about how i would refuse to collect batman comic books because I knew I couldn't part with them. I mean, I would buy them and I would read them, but they would never be a collector item. But I would always collect Marvel comics, which I got into Marvel. I got into the X-Men. I got into uh, uh, Thor. I got into a couple of the Marvel characters, but I never had that that bond that I had with my DC world, and especially Batman. Batman's always been huge for me. Um, so I'm always a fan of the Batman stuff. And this... I'll, I'll probably watch it another two or three times. I'm not even. I'm not even exaggerating. Like probably in the next week or two, I'll watch it another two or three times. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even watch the original release. I, I just pulled it up on Rotten Tomatoes. It's forty percent was the original rot rate, and the new is Rotten that, Tomatoes rating is seventy five percent. Well, it's early though. I mean, the only people, the only people who are doing that now are people like me who were probably up at midnight to watch it. So that's well, not. No, but this is down. that's the that's the reviewers score. This is people who saw it three Oh. It was significantly better, but it is a long movie. I mean it is very long. And you've been watching DC some, Ugly. I, I thought they were gonna release them in our out like 
uh, one hour increments. Like they were, they're going to release an hour and then next week release the next hour. I'm happy to see that they did it, but they had yeah. discussed. It, didn't, yeah. Didn't so that I've been coding like crazy, um, doing my live wire thing, which we got live wire news, but actually we don't really have live wire news. We kind of do. Uh, kind of do. But of yeah, we I, uh, because you're on the show. Exactly. Exactly. What about, what about you guys? You guys didn't sound like you had had as good of a week as I did. I've I've been fighting sequel injections like crazy. Really? Like the bad? Like no, not people, bad. Nothing bad actors. Nothing bad actors. Nothing was gotten. But oh, okay. But it definitely you you see things going on. And you're like, uh, uh, uh what? <laughs> so then everyone <laughs> everyone's like now going through code trying to find out. How how, why, what was going on? Did, was anything gotten? Like I said, nothing. Nothing's been found so far that has been gotten. Mm-hmm. But it's just been a rough week. On top of that, how, how, I mean, how did you just, guys get alerted to it? Like, did you do you guys do you have some sort of monitoring in place for that? Yeah, I mean, you looking at uh, Apache logs, you start seeing it, and they. What did they do? They didn't update anything. It, it was just freaky seeing all the everything come through. And mm. had they made some changes, they could have gotten data. <clears throat> really? So, yeah, I, I found one one hole that we were able to patch up real quick. Mm, cool. um, yeah. And then on top of that, we were dealing with uh, just outages overall, like just system outages for various reasons. I think I talked about it last week. That's never fun. It's just, it's crappy when you have a a service that people are paying for and you keep going down for five to 10 minutes at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Thomas? I've been keeping busy um, playing with uh, a lot of uh, magic test, working on memory leaks things being Wait, broken what, what's a working. what's a magic test uh so laravel has a testing platform called dusk which uses uh mm-hmm. the in-browser testing it launched chrome instant uh and lets you navigate and stuff and magic test is a sort of addition on top of that where it can watch for actions from the mouse and write a test for you based off of the action or browser oh that's that new package that was released that yeah. a lot of people are talking about that yeah yeah i, I saw i saw that it, oh so it came it came up that. in it came up in discord last week and you had a very similar uh, Chrome plugin already that did that, right? Yeah, yeah, that that was my thing. I, I didn't. I saw a lot of hype around this. I'm like, why is everybody so excited about this? This has been a thing for a while. There's a Chrome plugin that does it. Uh, but I I say that, and I didn't. I didn't bother to look at it because. I didn't really see a need for it. So I'm curious about, about Thomas's uh, experience here. Uh, it's interesting. It doesn't do a lot of stuff. It really just looks for the text you clicked on and writes a test that says click on that tech. Um, mm-hmm. It's just basic but, browser testing, right? Yeah, it's basic browser testing. testing. Your UI. Um, but on the admin side... It's form inputs is, are going to be really helped. So I, I'll have a lot of that basically testing every functionality back. So it's it's cool when it works. It's not the most stable thing. Yeah, it's, well, fairly, it's, it's fairly new. I know it just, it just all of a sudden started getting all this hype and I, I had not heard of it before. So interesting. It's cool that you're doing These. testing in general because you don't normally have tests around your code, right? Right. So what... What drew you to this versus writing unit tests? Uh, it's Some new and came out, and I wanted to play with it. Uh, and <laughs> Good reason. Well, it's also e- easy, too, right? I mean, you don't have to. Yes. You, you just you just act as a user and and start clicking things. So, Do, do you have a CI-CD uh, routine 
that you can no. then incorporate this into. No. So it's just going to all be run locally. God, I Any gotta chance get you out guys of that. Will get one of those? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's it's on the it's been on the list for a long time. Something that we want to do yeah. but haven't done. It, it's a pain if if you have to remember to run it your test suite every single time. It will quickly become a, I'm not going to run it. Yeah, especially if it takes more than a couple minutes. Because at first you'll you'll start and you have a couple of really fast tests and you're like I don't need a CI/CD. I'll run it locally and I'll just do it on Git commit. So you're like I'll just commit, it'll run my test. And then a little bit later, your tests start taking 10, 20, 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, this is crap. (laughs) I want to commit and move on to my next thing. And I can't. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know what I should do. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. A lot of hard because you don't do the ops, right? For your project? No, I don't. Thankfully. Um, I can't believe your ops team doesn't want that. They probably do. Well, Ops team probably doesn't care. I mean, they they're just managing servers and deploying whatever is given to them. It's right, it's but usually the, the management well, of no, the I de- team. I deploy. Oh, so well, then you definitely should be the one who wants it. I I, mean, I am the one who wants. It. I've wanted it for a long enough time that I'm sort of beaten down about it. I'm just like, yeah. Ugh, I don't care. <laughs> There's so many services out there, or you just have your own local Jenkins running. Yeah, I know. How often do you have a bad deployment, Thomas? Just just out of curiosity. I'm not trying to back you in a corner or anything. Oh, but how, they all, how they often all feel do bad. You, well, how, oh, how, are you being serious? How do you deploy? Uh, we have a, a deployment service that can run automated tasks. Oh, so you do have a some sort of deployment CI/CD pipeline. You, you could probably tie into that. It's not, say, hey, it's, but that's the, the continuous part isn't there. There's no, the well, yeah, the integration part's not there. I, I would call it a... a uh, <laughs> Well, it's just a it's a deployment pipe. It's not a CI CD. You're, you're not way. selling this. No, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to sell. Don't want to be an advertiser. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fun. Uh, All right. So this week was Laravel something happened. I don't know Laravel something. That? Well, before before we get down that path, you 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 talked about sponsors. We we do want to. We do want to thank our sponsor for this week's show, Cloudways. This episode of PHP Ugly is brought to you in cooperation with Cloudways, a managed cloud hosting platform built for your PHP projects. If you simply wish to focus on your business, Cloudways is the way to go. They take over server management and security and free up time that you can dedicate to growing your business and acquiring new clients. Their platform offers you a choice of infrastructure as a service partner, such as AWS, Google Cloud, DigitalOcean, Linode, and Vulture. In addition, you get a performance-optimized stack, managed backups, and staging environment where you can test your code before pushing it to live servers. Best of all, Composer and Git come pre-installed so you can get your projects up and running quickly. All this power, simplicity, and peace of mind falls right in line with their brand slogan, Moving Dreams Forward. If you want to give them a try, use promo code PHPUGLY to get a $25 credit. Thanks, Cloudways. Thanks, Cloudways. Thank you very much, Cloudways. You're making us better. <laughs> and that's, I mean, it's hard to see. We understand. Yeah. It's, <laughs> we're better on the inside. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, John, you asked about Laravel. What, what was happening in Laravel world today? Well, the Laracon, the online Laracon uh, was yesterday. And, um, yeah. I had a was, ticket to that, didn't I? You you certainly did. So did everybody else at Diego Dev who forgot that the conference was yesterday. <laughs> well, all the videos are for- out now. So if you have a ticket, 
then all the videos have been published. You can log into the Laracon website or get the video. Laracon.net, yeah. Laracon. I actually have a yeah. gripe about that. If anybody from Laracon.net is listening to this, can you guys please, please, please date your videos so that when you go there, you can see what year that talk is from. I mean, dated in, in the if you if you go now, I think the the videos from yesterday are in its own section. But if you go to the archives, it's just a list of videos. You don't know, you don't know what year those videos are from. It's just a list of of pre. I, I think I had like fifty two videos in my in my little archive section. Um, so please, some just throw a date in the title or something, please. I don't think it's that <laughs> difficult. Um, but yeah, the the conference there, yesterday was stuff, different. Their stuff is evergreen. It will it. It can be watched at any time. Laravel never changes, so stop worrying about <laughs> it. Changes every two. So yeah, if if I Tuesday. if I click on if I log into my Laracon.net account and I go to past videos, yesterday's videos aren't even in here. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why that that would be where they are, but I guess because it was yesterday. But I have fifty seven videos in here, and I mean, like. There's no indication what year these talks are from. So please fix that. Um, but yes, if you click on videos, you have this year's videos. And if you look at them, John, I don't know if you happen to be there, but if you look at them, you'll find something very interesting about this year's videos. First thing, there aren't a ton of them. There were nine talks, or there are nine videos. I feel like there were more talks, but maybe they weren't. It was a, It's a one-day event. We had a weird thing um with these Laracon online events here for us because we're West Coast. So by the time I got home from taking my dog to the park, got him all settled down, got my cup of coffee, it's around 8.30. And the conference has already been going for like two and a half hours. So yeah. I'd already I'd already missed like an hour or one or two talks by that time. Yeah, but I, pegging it to East Coast time is very. Str- I I don't know why they would have it start up at eight o'clock East. Well, because because there is a global audience, right? So they have a lot of people in Europe who they're trying to get to before before they turn in for the night. And, I mean, it's rough. It, it's it, it's 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 a tough thing to try to try to accomplish because somebody is going to be left out, but. But there was a lot going on in in the conference uh, this year. Well, wait, what yeah. was I supposed to? I, I'm seeing the videos. What was I supposed oh, to take away? <clears throat> that so it was all guys so if you know, presenting. If you oh no, hadn't, hadn't thought about that. Guys? Yeah, didn't didn't wasn't going to oh, put that. Okay. No, I was going to point out the fact that they're all Laravel internal talks. So there aren't any, with one exception, which we'll get to. But there aren't any. I'm selling a service. This is how we use Laravel. No soft talks. They were all pretty hardcore uh, t- talks. Good talks. Very yeah. deep dives into different aspects of Laravel. Uh, I, I was kind of. Like, I don't know how I felt about it. I enjoyed it because I'm a Laravel nerd. I enjoy this. I enjoyed that. But, like, I think if I was sending my team to this, like, our, our developers, there might have been one or two talks that they got something out of. But it's there was really not much there for, like, a company who sends their developers to, you know, get a better understanding of how to implement and use Laravel. I, I, I want to make the argument that 
they would be better developers because they would have a better understanding of the underlying framework. But, yeah. you know, there just wasn't, wasn't a lot, like there weren't a lot of shiny new things of, hey, do this or do that, or, you know, we offer this service or that, you know, which has always been a grape of mine. I, I thought Laravel was going too di- far down that path. I've, I think I've been asking for this. Uh, I've been asking for this kind of talk for these kinds of talks for some time now. Um, I think, uh, I think it was really good. Uh, did you watch all of them? I did. Um, I watched all of them except for one of them, the Taylor Otwell talk. Really? And Yes. And then I'm, t- and then I was told that that was the one I should have watched more than any other because he announced Octane, uh, so Octane is Laravel's implementation of a a load once multiple request framework. Um, load this is something once multiple request. Yeah. So as it works now, um, PHP bootstraps the framework every single request, and uh, once the request is completed, it unloads the entire framework or unloads the entire program right the request and waits ends. yeah and, and waits for the next one um which has a lot of there's a lot of slowness going on in the background when you're trying to bootstrap every single request uh so what octane does is it ties in with uh software like swole s-w-o-o-l or uh roadrunner which is a server that loads once and handles multiple requests. Uh, and this can speed things up pretty significantly. Uh, so the interesting thing about this is uh, John and I actually talked to one of the maintainers of the Swole project. Um, what was that, last month or the month before? I think the month before. Yeah. And it, it was, it was uh, so that was my first introduction to Swole. Uh, if, if, if you're not, uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with what Swole is, it's, it's kind of a, if if you know React PHP, it's kind of the same thing. It's this uh, non-blocking um, uh, kind of uh, implementation for PHP. So it allows it allows PHP basically to act more like Node or Go, uh, where there, mm. it, it's it's not it it, it kind of tosses uh, it tosses off its processing to workers and uh, allows for for a much better and faster performance. Um, uh, now it's it's important to note though that Swole uses green threads or uh, regular threads, which can that be comes a into play in the in the, in the next next conversation. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to talk but, about but Swole w- from now on in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it was it was so cool to see this uh, implemented because um, one of the things I shared with the maintainer Swole during our interview, I don't remember. That interview, you can hear, listen to that interview on PHP Architects podcast. Uh, I, I like I said it was either last month or the month before, and I, I don't remember exactly what I kept in the podcast, what I kept out of, but what I told him and what applies even more so now with Octane or the possibility of Octane. Now, understand, Octane is not a product yet; it's not out there; it's not released. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, that, it's, that, it's, not, it's not even kind of its own separate thing from Laravel. It's just that when you're working with something like Swole or Roadrunner, you have to have certain restrictions on your programming to make sure that it's compatible. There's just this small compatibility. And so Taylor said he had been addressing those issues behind the scene in the framework and making this Laravel Swole compatible. And now it's just an artisan command. And I'm sorry, I, I, I had stepped away, so I don't know what... Thomas shared on the show, but 
this isn't, I mean, it can be used to serve up web pages. If you have like a real need for high performance web pages, you know, you can use it for that, but it's really made for like other things. Um, the one thing I had mentioned to the swool guy, I'm like, Hey, would, would this be a something that you would implement for like embedded devices where you wanted to run PHP on an embedded device that might be listening to a sensor. Like we had a client once where uh, it was basically listening for um, a feed from a sensor. And the school guy's like, yes, that's exactly what we're thinking. Like that, that's a perfect example of where you would use Swool. Uh, now the issue with Swool, so React PHP is kind of the same thing. Um, and one of the classic uh, kind of tutorials for React PHP is a chat client where you can do like real time chatting to to one right. another. I think I actually had did that for uh, a, a STPHP presentation mm -hmm. once. You did. So so the difference between Swool and like React PHP is React PHP is a package you install, whereas Swool was actually a PHP extension that needs to be installed on your system. Um, I don't remember. I don't know if Taylor actually pointed that out or not. Uh, so yeah, but but back to the whole embedded thing. So th so think of this. You know, getting a Laravel application like on a Raspberry Pi that is now tied into like some sensors and stuff. And it's constantly getting data in and pushing data out. I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like, it's made for high IO traffic, like, you know, lots of information coming out. It'll process it and get it out and it won't block. And I mean, this is exciting stuff for me. I, I, I mean, not that I have a need for it. <laughs> like, it's not like I'm waiting for this, but like, I love this sort of tinker stuff. And this is the stuff that PHP has been lagging behind and things like Python and Go have been finding th these niche places for these, you know, embedded devices or these autonomous systems that, that are meant to you know, run off on their own for a long time. Um, PHP has kind of missed that, that niche because there's been solutions out there like Swole, like, like uh, React PHP, but there hasn't been one with a framework behind it like Laravel. And so this is, this really takes it up to the next level. I think there's okay. a lot of possibilities here. So what it, you said Laravel Octane is a an artisan command. So is that what kind of sets up the server or whatever to take requests? Yeah, it communicates information. It communicates with uh, Swole and and launches multiple web servers that bootstrap the framework and wait for requests. Mm -hmm. and, and it has some drawbacks. I mean, it, like Taylor pointed out, one that I think a lot of people might not get their head around is that all this stuff is now running in memory. So when you make a change, you now have to restart the Octane service because it, you know it, it won't pick up that change. And one, one of the uh, really nice things about PHP being a startup and shut down is you have no memory issues as far as what, leaking information between requests. Right. And that's something that's, mm -hmm. that Taylor is focusing on very specifically, is getting Laravel to the point where he can hit a button and it flushes the user-sensitive data or, or all, of the, all of the data that would normally resonate. He actually has a feature already where after a certain amount of requests, like say after a thousand requests, it just automatically restarts the, uh, the services. So that, that's there. That was something that, that he demoed. And Thomas, I mean, you know, again, I don't know if you've ever had this need. John, you know, acknowledged that he has had this need in the past. Another thing we 
one of the SWOL uh, maintainers brought to our attention is with something like SWOL, you're not limited anymore to like the cron jobs running at every minute. You know, like a minute being the quickest your cron job can run. Right. Like if you have a need for a cron job to run every 10 seconds or every 30 seconds, that's much easier to do in this situation because it's it's not waiting for these, these one minute intervals. I, I get around that very easily. A quick for each, sleep for 10 seconds, let it run six times and then exit and let Kron pick up the next one. He's not wrong. No, and, and he's not. And that's the way we've had to do it. And you know, you're, you're, you're more traditional PHP developers. We'll continue to have to do it that way. But, but if you have a job server out there, that's running something like swole, you know, you don't have to, you don't have those limitations anymore. You know, you can, you can check to see if the stock price has changed every five seconds. If Bitcoin is up, if Bitcoin is down, you know? I did get a, did get a 40%, nice. 40% gain on my crypto portfolio over the period of one hour. There you go. And then Roadrunner, Roadrunner Runner was the other service or the other, uh, package that taylor referenced and yes i was actually surprised by this one this one totally came in under my radar this is a go implementation that runs php applications i'm like how have i not heard of this it looks pretty well pretty well flushed out i was very impressed with it and they're and they're cross compatible too he he showed that you could just flip a tag in the env roadrunner instead of right Right. So, but Eric, where's all the Thomas? controversy? But wait, there's more. <laughs> I don't see any way that this could be controversial. Am I missing something? I don't. I don't know. That, I don't know there is any controversy in this. Is there? Yeah. What? Oh, you're talking about the swole guy. So not with Octane. Not, not with, with Laravel. Octane. Not with Octane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're moving to swole now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So it's funny. I've been reading PHP internals. And I've watched this thread. So we've been talking. I've, for I've a, tried. It's dense. Well, that, that that's me too. It's like I can't I can't follow what they're complaining about. But let's get there. Um, so we've been talking a while now about the next version of PHP and getting this uh, this implementation of Fiber, which is uh, I guess kind of kind of plays into this whole real time sort of uh, processing that that we're talking about and in internals the swole team started kind of talking like hey we don't know if we like this implementation of fiber and now you've you've got to understand there's a couple challenges here and one of the biggest challenges is that swole uh most of the maintainers and and contributors to swole are in china and so there's a very big language gap uh, with between Swole and the rest of the PHP community, and there's time there's time gaps as well. There's a there's a few obstacles like that. Uh, if you ever look at the kind of the feedback from people who use Swole, one of the biggest complaints that developers have is that the English documentation is so lacking, and so a lot of people shy away from Swole from that. In when we when we talked to the maintainers, that's actually one of the things he brought up is how they're really trying to work on that documentation, making that documentation more accessible to more people. Um, so, so that's because it's language, mostly written in, in Chinese, right? Is that what you said? The the the, the developers are yeah. Most of yeah. the contributors are are, are in China. Um, 
So there's this language barrier, and it seems like some of that language barrier might be playing into this controversy. But basically, a lot of the Swool people started you know, saying, well, we don't know how good we feel about these implementations of fiber. Right. And, and, and why are you guys implementing something that we've completed implementing already as an extension is one of the mm-hmm. big complaints. Because Swool is... Fibers plus an event loop API, an IO schedule, CPU schedule, a service container, coroutine communication. Like it's, it's got all of the components that you need to do asynchronous programming. Whereas Fibers is just the starting implementation of asynchronous stuff. It doesn't have any of that stuff. It doesn't have an IO scheduler or a CPU scheduler. It's, it's just the rawest form of the component. And the swole people are voters. They're voters in the PHP uh, RFC process. So a lot of them are voting it down and saying, guys, you know, why are you doing this thing that is essentially done? And in our opinion, doing it poorly. Uh, the issue is Swole, like Eric said, doesn't have great English documentation. And it also isn't always green thread. Um, it can look very similar to how Node does asynchronous stuff, which is by having the async await stuff where things have to wait for threads to finish. You can't thread, can't pause. So there's a lot of discussion like, why is this being put into PHP core and maintained by don't really understand what they're doing when there's already an extension? Yeah. And so th- this has started some, and you've got to understand, we're getting deep into like, PHP internals at this point. So a lot of this conversation going on is well over my pay grade. I mean, I, I just, (laughs) I, I I try, I I try to kind of keep up with it, but yeah, I'm, I'm nowhere near where they are. And so there's a lot of talk of the, the, uh, the, the, some of the people who are pro fiber on the PHP internals team keep referring to, well, this is just the first implementation. This doesn't break Swole. Uh, Swole is still will still be you know usable. Uh, they keep referring to these C APIs. Once we implement these C APIs, then all this all these issues go away. All these concerns go away. But if you read the, and this is where things start to break down for me. I don't know if it's translation or what, but if you read the Swole guys, they are the Swole developers. They kind of start like I I read them as as saying, no, this does break it. Like, this does break things. If this gets implemented, this will break some of Swole. But I'm not sure I understand what's breaking or how it's breaking. It's it's very it's very challenging for me to kind of really get my head around everything. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. I can say that, like, it, you know, you're going to need an IO schedule fibers. I couldn't tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just, yeah. I'm just reading the the post on Reddit that I can kind of understand. Um, yeah. And you know, the thing about this asynchronous stuff is PHP, the old school PHP guy. We just got used to dealing with classes. You know, asynchronous programming is going to start getting us into things we have never had to look at or worry about. Which is one of the appeals. Is yeah, you don't have to worry about async. You don't have to worry about communication between right. threads because it just it's just PHP. It just runs. And then it stops running and says goodbye. And now that's not going to be the case. Some So it, the the conversations in Ternal's group have a lot of people just saying, I don't understand. Can you explain? And mm-hmm. explanations not coming. Right. Uh, you know, a yeah. lot of these, a lot of these internals are PHP, not asynchronous or C. Yeah. Well, and there's so much traffic, especially on this topic. There's so much traffic. There's so much, uh, so many threads going back and forth. It's just, it's, I really don't, I really don't understand how those internals 
uh, developers keep up with everything. It, there's, it's amazing to me. It's amazing that we have such a great language by volunteers, by yeah, people who don't yeah. get paid to do this. I sit there and I see the internal conversations that are going on. And these are not short two, three line emails back and forth. These things are books that they're writing back and <laughs> yeah. forth. And it's well, just amazing to me. That's that. And that's where it started, started to get too dense for me to follow is that you'd have three paragraphs on how different languages handle IO activity and how fibers isn't handling it the way that other is. And it's, it's, it's deep stuff. Yeah. It's, it's cool. So in short, Octane, very excited about Swool. I've been very excited about for a while. Uh, I've played with React PHP in, in the past. Again, doesn't factor into Octane or anything we've talked about, but kind of the same principles as Swool. Um, I think this is something that PHP is missing. Uh, but it's not going to be for your everyday PHP developer. Exactly, John. Yeah. Great, great way to put it out. It's, it's not, if, if you need a homepage for you know, your mom's cat or you're doing a wedding, none of this, none of this impacts you. And you really should not even be worried about this. <laughs> but something else that uh, Taylor touched on that I thought was also very impactful um, is I. Where do I start on this? If you've listened to the show for a while, you know I've been a big fan of NoSQL document stores. Uh, we have a couple of implementations for clients in, internally. Um, the one, the particular document store we use is CouchDB. I like it a lot because everything's JSON, everything, there's no drivers for it. It all runs over HTTP and HTTPS. Um, so it's great. If you're also familiar with relational databases, uh, MySQL 8, uh, when that release, it has this kind of uh, hybrid implementation where it can be a document store or it can be a relational database or it can be a relational database with JSON column types. So JSON column, column types was a new column type that was introduced to MySQL. And this is something else we've been taking advantage of more and more because where I've kind of started to get my head around document stores and I can appreciate them. And we have a, we have another developer um, with Diego devs, kind of the same boat uh, we've worked on. We've actually worked together at another company that did document stores. Um, it's, a challenge. It's not something everybody can just grasp. And especially if you've worked with relational databases for years and years, it's very difficult to change that mindset. So by having this JSON column type in our database, it allows this kind of hybrid kind of mentality of, okay, all the columns we know we need, we can go ahead and create relational databases. But one of the, one of the kind of a things we do now with databases is, a lot of times our tables will have this meta column or it might, we might call it something else, but meta is, is typically, typically the JSON column. And that's basically whatever we didn't account for, whatever information we think we want to store, but we didn't account for, you put in the meta, meta column and it's, it's a JSON column type. So the nice thing about Laravel is it made it very easy to to tap into this column type. Uh, basically, you had to cast that column type as an array. Um, but after you did that, it was you know the all the data was available to you through Eloquent, and it was very nice. It just treated treated it as an array. So uh, so you might have to iterate through it. But this is this is typical with JSON kind of document stores. It's the same way. You don't know what data you have and where it's stored. It, you know, you, 
some documents might have phone number first, address second, and I don't know, whatever third. And then another document might do it in another direction. So where it sounds like it adds complexity, once you understand this and once you understand how to code for this, it really doesn't. It really isn't that problem. And the freedom it offers you outweighs that that complexity. But with the JSON column type, there was some challenges with Laravel specifically if you wanted to change that data. So adding to adding putting data in in was pretty straightforward when you first did your insert. It was updating that data was was always kind of a little challenging. Um, you couldn't do it what made sense. You couldn't just say, "Hey, I want to add something to the array and then save it." it, it that wasn't wasn't something you could do. Uh, so with I think. The release of Laravel. This is not the next release of Laravel. I think it was whatever got released today, maybe, or maybe it's it's whatever's eight point two eight. Taylor's introducing as array object and as collection. So where you can still cast the JSON column type as a array, or I think you can even cast it as a collection. That will still work. So none of your old code is going to break, but he has this new method you can cast as array object. What array object allows you to do is it allows you it allows you to treat that column type and update that column type how you think it should be updated, where you don't have to rewrite the whole thing or, or do any, any you know, array pushes or anything like that to get data into it. You just add data to it and you save it. Um, I was actually very happy to see this because anything that kind of lowers that that friction of using these these JSON column types is very appealing to me. Yeah, I've... what what the issue was prior? Couldn't you just get the data out of uh, MySQL and JSON decoded into an array, update it, and then yeah, so... re JSON encode it and push it back to the database. But that's the whole doc, and that's right. that's the slow bad way of doing. MySQL has JSON functionality built in so that you're not editing the whole document. You're editing right. the object you're referencing in the doc, um, which is much smoother. Well, it doesn't sound like this takes that into account though, because you're actually getting the whole document when you get the array or get the the. Uh, Record, right? Uh, you're always well, you're, fetching the whole document, but when you're editing it, when you're doing a, a modification to that document, I believe the model looks for wh- what elements have changed and only updates. I've seen I've seen the way Laravel does things, and I I doubt it does it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll have to look into it. I mean, it's something that I use a lot, but don't enjoy using because it does have some sort of it's pain challenging in the butt to up, update the, update the data yeah yeah you have to fetch it and store it in another variable and then edit the part you want it can be a pain yeah so this this kind of lowers that that friction i'm i'm happy to see it i thought i thought that was a good announcement what about robots.txt do you guys know what that is use it all the time that one, man? i'm waiting i'm waiting for your I'm waiting for the card, man. But go ahead. I, that was a perfect lean in, lead into that other card. But which I don't which know, card? man. Robot te- dot text. Yes, I, I'm a, I'm familiar with robot te- text. Well, there's a new RFC out there called security dot text. Okay. It it's the same thing as robots dot text, except that it is all of your security policies and uh, security related things that you want to publish openly on the net. Uh, so if you need to contact someone with a security issue, it includes the email address. Uh, if you want to do secure communication, it includes the open PGP key. Uh, 
if you want to publish your security policy, how you respond to incidents, then you can link to a specific page there. Uh, I think this is super cool. Interesting. It, it, is, it is pretty cool. Uh, I, I think I'd like to see this standard adopted. Um, there are services. I, I think uh, I think Stripe is actually one of the services where you they won't they won't allow you to use their service until you're able to link to like a privacy policy, a terms of service policy. And it, it's only a couple of steps, but you just, you have to have them and then you have to link to them. And it's like, all right, it'd be nice to say, do you have to follow? To tell? Huh? Do you have to follow? To follow? Uh, yes. Legally, if, actually, if it's a company policy, corporations are required to follow published policy. Yes, yes, you have to follow. But it would be nice for uh, a service like Stripe when I when I say like Argus.to, uh, I say, hey, you know, I want to use Stripe on Argus.to, which is a very simple crown monitoring solution out there. It would go out and see, okay, can I figure out where their terms of service is? Can I figure out where their privacy policy is by looking for this security.txt file? Then if it doesn't find it, then it can come back and ask me and say, hey, I can't find a uh, terms of service. You know, where where's your terms of service at? Yeah, uh, that would be that would be really really pretty cool. I I think I could I would do that. I, I would make sure we had that in our in our uh, application. One thing I f- I felt was interesting is that they have a specific field for acknowledgments. So you acknowledgments, yeah. So uh, you know, a lot of places have bug bounty, and this would be a situation where you give credit to finding a bug and helping you patch it or uh, disclosing uh, an issue in your system the correct way. What if they're only disclosing it because they want you to use their security services? Well, I mean, using their security services counts. Well, what if you don't want to use it because they were trying to break your site? I don't think they'll get much much business. <laughs> So the, the, the card I thought you we're going to lead into with all the talk about document stores and MySQL is your little Dolt card. Did you still not want to talk Dolt. about Dolt? I, have, I haven't used it yet, and I think it's oh. just, I think it might be because the name is dumb, but... <laughs> I played. I played with it last week after you mentioned it after the show. Th- Thomas was like, "Oh, I, w- I wanted to talk about this. Oh, it's, it's fine. I didn't. I didn't get it. Really get a chance to use it. Uh, so uh, yeah. So he, he mentioned it, and I, I played with it, and it's interesting concept. Um, what is it? If we talked to adult- as as. As I was explaining with like CouchDB, so one of the, one of the nice things about CouchDB as a document store is that um, you can have multiple instances of Couch running uh, all over the place. Matter of fact, there's even a version that runs on mobile phones called PouchDB. And one of the things that Couch is very strong at is synchronization. So it, it has this the way it was explained to me once, which freaked me out the first time it was told to me is your data will have eventual consistency. It's like, wait, what eventual consistency? What the hell <laughs> yeah, does that even mean? It's not the mean? most reassuring term, <laughs> but the idea is that there are all these nodes of couch running and they're, they, they have complete copies of the data. Well, they can have complete copies of the database. They can also have, just fractions of the database. So, for example, you can say, "Hey, yeah, I, I want, I want, you know, my users, you know, spread everywhere, but this particular one doesn't need to be whatever, whatever your configuration might want to be." But 
the the thing is is that couch is very good at synchronizing it's very easy to set up synchronization and it, and it does a very good job at uh conflict resolution on its own so like it, it very rarely has a conflict that it can't resolve so it typically does a pretty good job at figuring out okay who's who so can you come over I to have, my house and resolve my conflicts? I have no, uh, no one can. I, help you I, with I mentioned, that. I mentioned in the past. I have a Raspberry Pi that runs in my office, and one of the things it has on it is CouchDB that synchronizes with everything. Um, I can take that Raspberry Pi offline, keep it offline for a week, or or keep it off the internet and continue to use it, and like put data in the database, but it not be able to communicate with the other nodes, and then hook it up, you know, two or three days later, and it will quickly just sync up and it, it happens in a blink of an eye how fast it sinks it's uh, absolutely amazing so i'm telling you all this because this has always been one of the challenges with uh something like mysql you can have you can have um clusters of mysql you can do uh, a mysql proxy um there's a lot of ways to implement similar architectures in relational databases but they're a lot more complex to implement they're they're very stringent on how they synchronize. Um, it's not, it's, it's, you know, they, they can run into conflicts a, a lot easier. This dolt that Thomas introduced us to is like this weird hybrid thing. So it's a relational database that's supposedly MySQL compatible. I'll get back to that in a second, but it's meant to be like more of like the couch architecture where you can have these multiple little dolt nodes running and they can start synchronizing with each other and i don't know i mean it's kind of cool but at the same time i'm kind of like when i was playing with it i'm, I'm i was kind of like well if i'm gonna do this why i would just use couch um so <laughs> yeah. I did. I did bring up a Dolt, uh, Dolt database, and it has this whole Dolt Hub thing, which um, we talked a little bit about, where they have all these data sets that you can you can tie into, you can contribute to, you can you can use. It's very much here in the U.S. There's a project called uh, uh, Co uh, Code for America, which is um, which was this initiative of all this public data of of categorizing this public data. And just kind of making this big data data set that allowed people to tie into this all this just miscellaneous various data that cities, uh, city governments uh, offer and town governments offer. You know, weird things like you know when the when the street lights come on and and how many you know parking meters there are and all this just all this weird miscellaneous data. Um, Don't hub has something similar and. I Adult downloaded some hub, data sets. Dolt. Very hub. different. Uh, I, yeah. I downloaded some data, uh, data sets. And it was weird. It's like I could tie into it with like an existing MySQL client. I could tie into my Dolt instance. But like I couldn't I couldn't do an explain. Like I, I tried to run explain on on a table and it didn't didn't know how to handle that um like the tables it didn't it didn't seem to have a struck as strict of a structure as a relation a typical relational database would have where like there's always a primary key there's always well basically there's always a primary key uh it didn't seem like it had those same restrictions but i mean it works as advertised it's a relational database that if you have like if you have a Laravel app, you can configure your MySQL uh, uh, connector um, to it, and 
it will uh, my sequel driver for it and it would i would imagine the theory work um it might be a good thing to it, it it's almost like a it's almost like a um sequel light on steroids it's like sequel light started hanging around some bad people at the gym and started juicing <laughs> that kind of what dolt is is it's or, or, or how i was perceiving it it's like okay uh we talked about the json column type that's actually something i didn't try i should have tried that so with things like json co- column types and some of the new features in MySQL 8. I don't know if that is compatible with Dolt, but Dolt was cool, but I'm not sure I have well, a use for it. I, I think my use for it is the database seeding that I do on our app, is it takes like 25, 30 minutes. We, mm-hmm. we seed so much data and generate so much sort of randomized content that it's, it, it, it really bites into your time if you have to do it. Um, and Dolt allows for branching and versioning of data, which I think is has a very interesting possibilities associated with it. Now, they they seem to focus as a company on the publicly interesting data, such as uh, hospital price transparency or uh, election data for the U.S. Uh, and it's managed by somebody and branched and, and hand in fork through their system, uh, Dolt Hub. And anytime you need to update the data set, it's just git pull, and it pulls the latest version of that data set from Dolt Hub. So there's cool, like, applications for public data and infrastructure, but it's also slow. Um, I, I read a blog post by the Dolt team that basically said we were looking at who was using it and how and found out that people are using this in production environment. And we did not anticipate that because our system is 10 to 20 <laughs> times slower than MySQL and we don't want people doing that. So they're and trying you, you, to improve performance. You touched on something that Thomas, something I totally skipped over is that one of the strengths of it is it's it's basically a Git repository, right? It's right. It's you can branch it, you can you can iterate on it, you, you can see the history of it, you know. Exactly. And one of the interesting things about it is is like Git, only things that have changed get pushed out to the to the master branch or anything like that. When you're when right. your database is is 200 megabytes each version is not 200 megabytes it's just the change log uh just like in game uh it's it's cool i would like to i would like to point out as a company called diego dev i can appreciate how terrible their logo is because it's very hard to come up with a dd logo of anything (laughs) uh, and not look like daredevil their logo is horrible and we paid good money to make sure our logo wasn't horrible. But our first couple of iterations of the Diego Dev logo, every last one of them looked like Daredevil logos. <laughs> yeah, there's it's there's cool stuff, and you know there might be use cases for data set collaboration that I can't really think of yet. Um, but they they have bounties for data sets that they want. Uh, they want a national catalog of college courses. And to get that, can't have one person calling every college and getting every resource for courses they provide. You have to have publicly, you know, hundreds of people reporting on their college and their college's courses. The administration uh, can add to the database themselves. So they're they're paying money to generate data and make it publicly available, which but I can't I think of why, a more though. noble thing. Well, I mean, like I said, I, I got this code for America. I'll, I'll put this in the show notes as well. So that, that kind of triggers through uh, Discord and all. But 
Code Code for America is kind of the same kind of the same concept, but with Code for America, it's just the data sets, right? They're they're not they're not trying to tie a technology to it. So, what I was going to say with Dolt is, why would they be looking for that if they're acknowledging the fact that it's not for any sort of production use? It's a slow it's a slow kind of data store solution. I don't know if I would be like asking for a bunch of data sets because. What it what it allows is it allows them to produce all of these data sets for Dolt Hub with minimal management of, of people. And all of this stuff can dump out to a CSV file that can actually be imported to a regular MySQL instance. So you would use Dolt for the collaboration on the data, but then you would move it for a production, uh, you know, searchable, queryable system into MySQL, which is its functionality that, that the software has is to export it. So it's I, I think it's cool stuff, it, but it was funny to see them surprised that uh, people were using it on on real servers. <laughs> Did you say how they determined that? Like how they knew it was being run that way? I don't know. My guess just having coffee with them, and they're like, "Oh, surprised to see this." I, my my guess is they have some way of seeing where what IPs it's downloaded from oh, and I'm, linking I'm sure, those to I'm data sure Somebody was opening up Reddit Reddit threads. There were yeah. There oh were, my dog crushed. They did have Crash they had trouble. Server. They did have trouble tickets for people saying that their production server running Dolt was having issues. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's gonna. It's not supposed to be on production. <laughs> Why are you doing that? Because it's new and shiny, and it's web scale. Speaking That's of scale. new and shiny, guess what? I'll be this the, this coming a razor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was I not no. really supposed to guess? <laughs> no, well, razors are what? shiny. Uh, I am going to be using... You're, you're moving to Vim. No, I'm going to be using Caleb Poor's uh, stuff. Say it. Say it. No, it's not stuff. It has a name. Light, lightning You've been listening to PHP Ugly. LimeWire. We didn't... We said that the entire Laracon conference was all about Laravel internals, except for one talk. One talk, which I have been arguing... For months, if not years now, uh, probably more months. No years. I'm going to say years now. That yeah, since you Livewire, saw it, since you saw it at the conference, Livewire should be part of Laravel internals. It should be part of the core code. It shouldn't be this other package. But Livewire was the only presentation that they had that was not internals, and it was a good presentation. It was very simple. It was very simple. Uh, implementation and it was fun because in the diego dev discord to see developers that i've been preaching to about livewire for a while start to say okay okay this looks kind of yeah, cool yeah. no that that is kind of cool so I mean, what 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 sold you what sold you thomas let me hear you it's okay man i'm here to embrace form. you brother the you're, you're the, the auto read only on it. the fo- the auto read only on the form sold me Mm-hmm. on its own uh, is he yeah, he just he he created a form that had like two inputs or whatever and he changed the form instead of submitting a HTTP post it was an xhr request and then he hit submit and all the fields grade themselves out the button grade itself mm-hmm. out and tell it was submitting the form and it was the command for that was was what what's what was the it's like bolt dot click bolt bolt what the heck <laughs> no wire <laughs> Not Thunderbolt. Wire, wire, wire. Yeah, it's it was like wire dot click dot submit dot prevent, uh, and the yeah. prevent part was the prevent default on the format, and or you know just how little code he had to write to produce this mm-hmm. incredibly good looking form. 
I, very user friendly form. I mean, things like I don't I don't remember if you showed this or not, but another another thing you can do that's a, a common practice is that as somebody's filling out a form, until each field passes validation, and it will pass validation as it's typed in, and you move to the next form, uh, next next field, until it passes all validation, the little submit button won't even light up the submit button will stay grayed out. And then once it passes all its validation, once all the fields are inputted, then it lights up. And it's like things like that, I, which I, is, yes. I can do that with jQuery. Things well, like that, which is, yes, you can do with JavaScript, yeah. things like jQuery, things like Vue.js. But it adds all this complexity as a PHP developer to, to Thomas's point. It's like a couple of of syntactical sugar that you put in your existing blade and you're done. All the JavaScript is handled for you. Well, yeah, it's and fantastic. he he showed he showed an example of like writing out a blade template as one thing, and said, "But you know what? I don't like having a blade template for something this simple. So let's just put it in the in a here doc in the mm-hmm. component and remove the blade." And mm-hmm. he just had a component now that was like yep. X wire button, and <laughs> that was the whole thing. Like you have. Yeah. If you have standardized things on your site and you're not using them as components, it's crazy. This is the thing I was talking about when I first came across first first thing Laravel has view components. Yeah. Livewire is the next iteration of that. So that's what that's what Livewire should be. Livewire should just replace the view components because it does everything the view component does plus the JavaScript stuff. But that's beside the point. Um between between LiveWire and View Components, like I'm now having fewer and fewer controllers. Like my controllers are doing less and less work because my components are handling a lot of things. Like mm-hmm. like um, you know trying to get all the records for to to display. Uh, we we have uh, webhooks. We have Slack webhooks in, in Argus that used to go into a controller where it says, "Okay, we're pulling up this Chrome Chrome monitor. Get the Chrome monitor." Get all the all the Slack webhooks they may have configured for it. Bring all this in the controller. All right, now we have to iterate all through all this stuff separately, you know, in the view template. Now that is just for it could be a it could be a view component, but I have it as a live wire component. Um, now it's a live wire component that the the cron job controller doesn't even know about, doesn't even care about. All it does is call, call its view. The view says, okay, I have these components in me. I have to go get this other data from these other places. I'm telling man, it is fantastic. Livewire should replace the, the default Laravel view components. I don't think anybody would complain about that. It's just additional fantasticness. And I'm standing by that. I will die on that hill. That LiveWire is is should be in Laravel Core as its view components, and that's the end of the discussion. And I will always be right. Uh, it was now very. The one, it was very cool. I the one thing he didn't. Um, oh well, did he did he talk about polling at all? I don't. I don't yeah. even remember what he talked about. Yeah, he he talked, did. the polling is another thing that is just again you can do it with JavaScript, but it's all this additional complexity. In LiveWire, you can say, hey, pull for data every 30 seconds, every whatever, and there it is, you know? Um, 
it's uh it's very interesting but the one thing that he said that had me a little concerned and now brian brian has me a little concerned what what are you saying brian laravel doesn't come with view anymore by default oh that's the uh right we know that that's the that's the new um netbreeze uh, jet stream uh right oh right right anyways I think that's what I, I, I'm not clicking on. I haven't clicked on that Git uh, commit that he's talking about, but uh, yeah. Um, so Vue, I mean, Laravel never came with Vue. Laravel, you could implement uh, the auth package in Laravel, which used Vue components in there. Vue was easy to add to Laravel. Uh, now it's now it's Livewire. Um, which it should be, or it, it actually has. It, there, there's options. It does. It doesn't have to be a live wire. You can do the. Um, you can do something else. I forget what it is. Alpine. But no, it's not Alpine. Alpine's what I want to talk about, though. That's the thing that uh, uh, he talked about that had me concerned. Um, so where Livewire removes a lot of the need for JavaScript, that little additional JavaScript that you do need to do, um, he wrote. Another minimalist. This is Cape. This is a uh, what's it? What's his name again? Uh, uh, Caleb uh, Porzio. Caleb. C- Caleb Porzio. Which, for the record, Diego Dev is a sponsor of Livewire. Uh, is a GitHub sponsor of Livewire. To uh, much to John's surprise, recently, but um, but he he also does a minimalist JavaScript framework called Alpine. Alpine JS. For when you do need to use JavaScript to kind of you know click buttons or whatever, and uh, he mentioned kind of at the very end of the talk of oh hey I'm totally rewriting I'm totally rewriting Alpine the yeah. next version of Alpine is coming out I'm completely rewriting it I'm like well wait a minute I just implemented it what do you mean you're re- completely rewriting been, it hold I've on been hanging out with Tim slow down too long. <laughs> exactly it's like okay you've embraced that all right I'm throwing every, everything away and starting over I don't know if that's what he did. He didn't go into what the what a rewrite was, but man, I, I was a, my little spidey senses started tingling when he said that. I'm like, oh crap, that's probably not going to be good for me. Well, I, I don't know. I think he was just talking about internals for performance, but I don't, I don't know. Mm. Uh, Taylor mm. did Taylor did speak about uh, Laravel versioning. Uh, did he? He did. Uh, oh. Never gets old. It really doesn't. <laughs> doesn't have enough time to get a new release every single Tuesday. With new features. That's the, that's the thing. I don't know if you caught a Sherry Wheeler posted a, a tweet this morning, and she actually gave us props, PHP Ugly props, uh, talking about the challenges of keeping up with frameworks like Laravel, uh, languages like PHP that that are on these fast iteration pace now, where, yes, it's nice, it's great to have these new features, and new and shiny are always good, you know. And and it's not just new and shiny. I mean, let's be real, especially with PHP. These are things that PHP have needed for a very long time. But the release cycles are so quick, and there's so many layers now. The language, the framework, you know, any JavaScript framework, any packages. uh, we're, We're not even talking about the the software that's running on the server that needs to be updated um it's just your entire life now is updating testing updating testing updating testing you know seeing if you can get to the next iteration yeah um yeah but that's not going to change i don't i don't see that changing anytime soon i mean i don't i don't know how i don't know how you how you change that well and it's interesting i talked with someone i spoke with someone today 
about their system and he was saying they're using Cake 2 and they know mm-hmm. they want to go to Cake 3 but the system is a monolith and Cake 3 is too different to just move to all of a sudden and I was oh, like we have that problem like Cake 3 was well, we, we, Cake 3 was 2 3 years ago wasn't it yeah oh, we Laravel's, have that problem with Laravel now yeah Laravel's updates are every week well, that was a major version. So that yes, that was a, yes. two three years ago for the yes. major version of Cake. Now Laravel has pulled back where major versions are going to happen once a year, but still, yeah, it's challenging. Did you did you catch the foundations talk? No, it's it's how Laravel's framework is built from all of the Illuminate component, mm-hmm. and I was very frustrated that they did not mention components are versioned the same way that Laravel is. I feel. <laughs> Hey, people are listening. People yes. are listening. People, I, I, people I are found listening. that out. Um, speaking of people who listen to us. Yes. Thank you, we have, everybody. We have we have new people. So thanks to all our Patreons, of course. Obviously, y- y'all's uh, contributions do, do, do make this uh, easier. We do appreciate it. Uh, we have some new people. Um, yes. Thank you. Our, uh, RCS. RCS. Uh, John, do you... Do, do you have anything positive to say today at all? Or <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, I am so exhausted right now. I'm, I'm waiting for this to wrap up, and I'm going to crash. Yeah, me too. Long. <laughs> We're week. trying to get there. So yes, RCS. Yeah. Uh, what's that? What's the next name? Uh, Macy J. Oh, oh, that's two name. Oh, I got you, Macy J. Okay, I got you, and then and, Peter uh, and Peter. Thank you. Yes. New Patreons. And uh, we have just this month. We have another new Patreon that we're not gonna get into yet on this episode. We'll hear about them next episode. But a, a special yes, a special <laughs> new Patreon that you guys will all be yes. next Okay, I think that does it. What do you think? You guys Tom, I mean John, I know I know you probably have like a bunch of things you want to talk about, but I'm gonna have to cut you off. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up here. We didn't give him much I of a gotta, chance I, this week. I've got a movie I got to watch. It's like four hours long and, and it's already late. So I got to keep moving here. This is a very heavy okay. Laravel episode. That's good. That's good. That's why I feel like I've done all the talking because I just, just good things to talk about. Okay. That's it. Episode 228 of PHP Ugly is in the books. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep, keep it, it ugly. ugly. One, two, one, two, uh, coming off the top, y'all know how we do, listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish, I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric, yo, he's never on some average shit, you know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate, I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song, yo, shout the host named Thomas, cause he's never wrong, yo, shout to John, you know that he's smart and quiet, unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot, I'm about to do it like this, cause the people love me, shout out to PHP, the ugly, it's called ugly cause it's not professional, but I'm about to come through and bless it with style, so let's do it when I'm spitting, I perfume the room, yo, the segment of the show is called doom and gloom, that came from Thomas, yeah, can nobody go beyond this, I get the mic and then I'm about to keep it like a promise, yeah, and y'all know we fill them up with anguish, we talking about the PHP, the programming language, about to break it down, no exaggeration, what do y'all do for a living web applications, okay, 
I can dig it. My words spray tight. Uh, they getting together on the Thursday nights. Yeah, when it comes to rhyming, you can call me the new dude. I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube. So let's get it. You know my lyrics are major. All up in the comments, they got plenty of haters, but they doing what they doing. Keep it ugly. We ending every show with the saying, it's lovely. Let's go. Yeah.